This is it. This is the real thing. You've heard about it on the radio and seen it in the papers. Ten big acts for the price of one ticket. Behind this curtain, you'll see the Fiji mermaid, the giant red bat, the six-foot man-eating chicken. They're all real, and they're all on the inside. You'll see the Ethiopian glass eater. folks what are you waiting for admission is free to ballycast the podcast of the carnival sideshow and variety arts you're just in time we're gonna have a free show we're gonna bring out the strange people the weird people here they come now watch the doorway you'll see what they do you'll hear what they talk about they're all alive on the inside get your ticket and come in ballycast presents news and interviews with performers and showmen some important words of warning. This podcast is not family friendly. I'm not even thinking about it. So listen at your own risk. The performances and stunts described are not safe, even for experienced performers. Never attempt them without the direct supervision of someone who already performs them. Please use your common sense. And if you don't have any, stop listening now. Here's your host, Wayne Kaiser. Welcome to Ballycast, episode 146. Ballycast is brought to you free by Blue Ridge Entertainment, publisher of books, CDs, DVDs, and more for showmen, performers, and fans of the sideshow, carnival, and variety arts. The feature segment of today's show, Scary Things, Unsettling Things, as if 2020 hadn't provided enough of these Whoa, it's scary, goddammit. Don't you ever call me a liar. I never lie. I never lie. Also, news and much more. Bad girls out for kicks and halfway to hell. It's sick. It's savage. It's Ballycast. Here we go. Keep your hands and arms inside the car and remain seated until the ride comes to a complete stop. This is the annual scary, terrifying, creepy, spooky October Halloween episode. Watch out, here comes the horror. Hello. 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 Noticed in the news, one of the worst horrors I've ever seen, dill pickle-flavored cotton candy. If that's not enough for you... There are also dill pickle-flavored gourmet peanuts and clamdy canes. <coughs> but I still wander confused in a strange world. My wife came home with a bottle of one-a-day vitamins, and the bottle swore that they had no GMOs. Suddenly, everybody's deathly terrified of GMOs, like every food in history hasn't been continually genetically modified since agriculture began. Look up what pathetic grass corn sprang from. Then, speaking of a confusing and horrifying world, there's the current social situation. Oh, I'm going to make some people mad. Frankly, I don't care. Do you? Hey, 
their fun when you look at the clothes they wear. Masculine women, feminine men, which is a rooster, which is a hen. It's hard to tell them apart today and say, sister is busy learning to shave, brother just loves his permanent wave. It's hard to tell them apart today. Hey, hey. Girls were girls and boys were boys when I was the top. Now we don't know who is who or even what's what. Stickers and trousers, baggy and wide. Nobody knows who's walking inside. Those masculine women and feminine men. Stop, look, listen, and you'll agree with me. Things are not what they used to be. You'll see. You say hello. Uncle Joe, then look again, and you'll find it your auntie blow. Masculine women and feminine men, which is a rooster, which is a hen. It's hard to tell them apart today, and say why auntie is smoking, rolling her own. Uncle is always buying cologne. It's hard to tell them apart today. Hey, hey, you go in to give your girl a kiss in the hall. But instead you find you're kissing her brother Paul. Ma's got a sweater up to her chin. Pa's got a girdle holding him in. Those masculine women and feminine men. Now wifey is playing billiards and pool. Hubby is dressing the kiddies for school. It's hard to tell them apart today. Of Wales in ladies' dresses was seen. Now, what does he intend to be? The king or the queen? <laughs> Why, grandmother buys those tailor made clothes. Grandfather tries to smell like a rose. Those masculine women and feminine men. And chief among the horrors the current political situation. We are privileged to be living at the time of the most astonishing event. The emperor has undergone a transformation, a metamorphosis. He has become a god. Now that is unusual to say the least, but that's the nature of miracles, to be unusual. And if it's the nature of some people not to believe in them, well, the more fool them. But there's a solution. Over the ground, there comes a sound. It is the drum, drum, drum of hoofbeats in the sand. Quiver with fear, if you are near. It is the thunder of the shadow and his band. And oh, thunder, learn to The rifts are broad Oh, before you've bitten the sword Oh, that's the sound that comes to warn you so In the night or early morning, you know 
If you're the red shadow's foe, the wrist will strike with a blow that brings you Ladies and gentlemen, the chief hope of our enemies is to divide the United States along racial and religious lines and thereby conquer us. Let's not spread prejudice. A divided America is a weak America. Through our behavior, we encourage the respect of our children and make them better neighbors to all races and religions. Remind them that being good neighbors has helped make our country great and kept her free. Thank you. And now a word about one of our most popular products. It's a hot Saturday night on a sawdust lot in the 1960s. Look, look through the doorway. They're looking at the mule-faced girl. You're going to look. You're walking with your friends past the ten-in-one, the gorilla show, the girl show, the games, and the rides. These are the original ballets for the shows, the freaks, attractions you'll never see again. From the original eight-track loops discovered in a junk shop, plus recreated ballets from the real old-time scripts. You got a good arm, buddy. That would have been a winner, sir. Three balls, just three dollars. What a big bear for your girl. Everybody, watch how this man does it. You can get two tracks free at cdbaby.com. First time shown in your city, and you may never have the chance to see it again. Alive, alive, alive. The deadly piranhas. $10,000 reward. If not, absolutely alive. Never before shown, and you may never have the chance to see it again. The most the Shoot the Star game and baseball game tracks are downloadable free, and you can download the rest of the album for $9.99. Or buy the full CD from CD Baby or GoodMagic.com. Our girls are going to show you just a little of what they do in the big show inside. Everybody say hello to Misty Morn. She's hotter than the 4th of July. She's got all the things you like a girl to have, and she knows what to do with them. Show them, Misty. On the positive side, I'm sick of people who know nothing ranting about the exploitation of carnival freaks. Some actually became wealthy to the point of owning their own shows. Let people define the meaning of their own lives as they decide for themselves. They might just celebrate the elements of the strange, the unusual, the bizarre, and the unconventionally beautiful. And then there's this. I've finished with you. Think of the money you can make. You'll be more beautiful than anyone on this entire planet, I promise you. I'd be a freak. You'd be beautiful. I would not be beautiful. I would be a freak. No, Carl. You'll be something special. You'll be beautiful. You'll matter. What was that? French horn. Arthur Conan Doyle. 
a trained physician learned in science, was interviewed on his character Sherlock Holmes and on the Cottingley Fairies, a simple schoolgirl hoax which fooled him entirely. Well, there are two things that people always want to ask me. Well, one of them is how I ever came to write the Sherlock Holmes stories. And the other is about how I came to have psychic experiences and to take so much interest in that question. Well, first of all, about the Sherlock Holmes stories, it came about in this way. I was quite a, a young doctor at the time. I had, of course, a scientific training. And uh, I used occasionally to read detective stories. It always annoyed me how in the old-fashioned detective story, the detective always seemed to get at his results, either by some sort of lucky chance or a fluke, or else it was quite unexplained how he got there. He got there, but he never gave an explanation how. Well, that didn't seem to me quite playing the game. It seemed to me that he's bound to give his reasons why he came to his conclusions. Well, once I began to think about this, I began to think of turning scientific methods, as it were, onto the work of detection. And I used, as a student, uh, to have an old professor, his name was Bell, who was extraordinarily quick at deductive work. He would look at the patient, he would hardly allow the patient to open his mouth, but he would make his diagnosis of the disease and also very often of the patient's nationality and occupation and other points entirely by his part of observation. So naturally I thought to myself, well, if a scientific man like Bell was to come into the detective business, he wouldn't do these things by chance. He'd get the thing by building it up scientifically. So... Having once conceived that line of thought, uh, you can well imagine that I had, as it were, a new idea of the detective and one which it interested me to work out. I thought of a hundred little touches by which he could build up his conclusions, and then I began to write stories on those lines. At first, I think they attracted a little, very little attention, but after time, when I began the short adventures, one after the other, coming out month after month in the Strand magazine, uh, people began to recognize that it was different to the old detective, that there was something there uh, which was new. They began to buy the magazine, and uh, from that time, Sherlock Holmes fairly took root. Now, the curious thing is how many people that are in the world who are perfectly convinced that he is a living human being. I get letters addressed to him. And I get letters asking for his autograph. Get letters addressed to his rather stupid friend, Watson. I've even had ladies writing to say that they'd be very glad to act as his housekeeper. One of them, when she heard that he had turned to the occupation of keeping bees, wrote saying that she was an expert at segregating the queen, whatever that may mean, and that she was evidently predestined to be the housekeeper of Sherlock Holmes. I don't know if there's anything more I could say with advantage about him. But on the other point, which is to me, of course, a very much more serious one, 
On the question of my taking up this psychic matter, curiously enough, my first experiences in that direction were just about the time when uh, Sherlock Holmes was being built up in my mind. That would be about the year 1886 and 1887. So nobody can say that I formed my opinions on psychic matters uh, very hastily. It's just 41 years now since I wrote a signed article upon the subject, which appeared in a magazine called Light. During these 41 years, I never lost any opportunity of reading, of studying, and of experimenting on this matter. And I should think that my few remaining years will probably be devoted much more in that direction than in the direction of literature. My principal thoughts are that I should extend uh, that knowledge which I have on psychic matters and spread it as far as I can to those who have been less fortunate. <clears throat> but don't <clears throat> for one moment suppose that I'm taking it upon myself to say that I am the inventor of spiritualism or that I am even the principal exponent of it. There are many great mediums, many great psychical researchers, investigators of all sorts. All that I can do is to be a gramophone on the subject, to go about, to meet people face to face, to try and make them understand that this thing is not the foolish thing which is so often represented, but that it really is a great philosophy, the basis of all religious improvement in the future of the human race. I suppose I've said with more mediums than perhaps any living being. Anyhow, a larger variety, because I've traveled so much all over the world, and wherever I've gone, either in Australia, America, or South Africa, uh, the best that there was to be had in that direction uh, was put at my disposal. Therefore, when people come along and contradict me, you have had no experience at all, read little and perhaps never been to a seance, uh, you can imagine that I don't take their opposition very seriously. When I talk on this subject, I'm not talking about what I believe. I'm not talking about what I think. I'm talking about what I know. There's an enormous difference, believe me, between believing a thing and knowing a thing. I'm talking about things that I've handled, that I've seen, that I've heard with my own ears. And I always mind you in the presence of witnesses. I usually, in most of my experiments, have had six, eight, or ten witnesses, all of whom have seen and heard the same things that I have done. Gradually, I became more and more convinced on the matter as I studied year in, year out. But it was only in the time of the war when all these splendid young fellows were disappearing from our view, the whole world was saying, well, what's become of them? Where are they? What are they doing now? Have they dissipated into nothing? Or are they still the grand fellows that we used to know? It was only at that time that I realized the overpowering importance to the human race of knowing more about this matter. Then it was that I flung myself more earnestly into it and that I felt the highest purpose that I could possibly devote the remainder of my life to was trying to bring across to other people something of that knowledge which I had acquired myself. 
Certainly the results have justified me. I'm quite sure I could fill a room for my house with the letters that I have received from people uh, telling me of the consolation which my writings on this subject and my lectures on this subject have given to them. How they have once more heard the sound of a vanished voice and felt the touch of the vanished hand. Ballycast is proudly brought to you free because I want to tell you about my growing catalog of books, DVDs, CDs, and more for performers and fans of the Circus and Sideshow. They're all online at goodmagic.com, including rare audio of sideshows from the past and detailed plans and instructions for classic acts you can add to your performances today. Please take a moment to visit goodmagic.com. I think you'll be excited by what you find. Why are they streaming out of your show, yelling and running for their lives? Let's check out the very next show, and we'll see. See Zambora, the ape girl, the ape girl. This beautiful, living girl will be locked in a solid steel cage for your safety. And under bright lights, you'll see her change. You will see her forehead recede. Her teeth will grow into long fangs. You'll clearly see everything as her clothes fall away from her body. You'll see thick, matted hair grow all over this poor girl's body. And right before your eyes, she will change into a ferocious 450-pound gorilla. That's right, this beautiful girl turns into an ape so powerful she can bend a steel bar like a toothpick. Build this big sideshow moneymaker and have them running for their lives out of your show. The plans, drawn by sideshow legend Aaron Brill in the 1960s, are available for just $6 on goodmagic.com. Get back! Get back! Zambora! I love to take my baby to a movie show So I can try to suit you while the lights are low But you and Curdle do a story of romance There's only one way I've got a chance It takes the Batman, Wolfman, Frankenstein, or Dracula To put her in the mood for love It takes the cat, girl, dog, boy, creature from the Black Lagoon To make her feel like making love It takes a monster from outer space To make my baby want my embrace And when I hold her, she's like a dream If only she can hear somebody scream She does. 
doesn't go for parking down in love is lame And lots of moonlight doesn't drive this girl insane She thinks that dreamy music really is a bore But I found out what she's looking for It takes the Batman, Wolfman, Frankenstein or Dracula To make her tender as can be It takes a cat, girl, dog, boy, creature from the Black Lagoon To get her making love with me If there's a madman whose teeth are curled Who grows a bed bug that wrecks the world She gets romantic, it's really quaint When all the other women start to faint
Website of the Week. William Ratchford sent a link to Old Hat Records, advertising Good for What Ails You, a lengthy collection of music from the old-time medicine shows. Say, Corey, can you sing? No. Why? I lost my voice in jail. I was always behind a few bars and could never get a key. Look here, I see all you boys up here this morning. Yes. All y'all got your instruments? Yes. yes. Look here, suppose we all over and play something. All right. What we going to play? Play the open blues. Have I got a show for you. Stop. Look through the doorway. They're looking at Grace McDaniels, the mule-faced girl, Priscilla, the bearded lady, Emmett, the elephant-skinned man, a whole presentation of freaks, real people, the strangest people on earth, born to live. Ballycast presents news and interviews with performers and showmen, the kind of people you won't believe. Both swallowing swords while they're resting on the bed of nails on their stomach, and they've got their legs coming around and they're grabbing them, and the swords are on fire, and then myself and Brianna Belladonna spit fire off the swords. A look behind the scenes where the average Joe never dares to go. We've got their attention, we've got their money, and we've got them in a seat, so they're strapped in to take the ride that we're going to take them on. Responsible information about exciting new acts. <laughs> I was hurt, I just didn't bother to notice. Well, that's why they put young and stupid in the same category. Wholesome entertainment for young and old. Oh, isn't it wonderful? He just called me a big festering bag of puffs. Isn't it simply wonderful? Ballycast is not family friendly. I'm not even thinking about it. So listen at your own risk. What do you say when somebody goes, that was that was simply disgusting. You all should be ashamed of yourselves. 
thanks for your money. (laughs) (laughs) Once I've got the toilet plunger down my throat, then I pull out a two-foot measuring stick, and I shove it down my throat, and I get it down to the top edge of the stomach, and everybody thinks I'm done, and then I push it the rest of the way, and they all go, (gasps) so much fun to do. You'll discover a new world, meet new friends, see plenty of things you've never seen before, things you'll remember all your life, and some you may want to forget. How many times can you stick a hook in yourself and not be walking around full of holes? About once every other week. BallyCast is available free on iTunes or directly from BallyCast.com. Brought to you by Blue Ridge Entertainment. Want to have even more fun? Learn stuff? Subscribe to BallyCast. You're not in school anymore. There's no homework. There are links on the webpage at BallyCast.com. Or subscribe on iTunes. And all previous episodes are available as well. See you next episode. Next episode, some strange and dismaying things about P.T. Barnum. In 1866, the president of the American Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals condemned Barnum for his practice of feeding live rabbits to a boa constrictor. Barnum replied with statements from professors that snakes would in fact die if not given live prey. He remarked how silly it was to refuse to eat raw oysters because they're swallowed alive. The debate went back and forth, full of politely worded insults. And in 1867, Barnum ran a newspaper article stating that there was just no pleasing some people. That wasn't the end of the story. Oddly enough, the ASPCA president and Barnum ultimately became friends, and Barnum was instrumental in forming a Connecticut branch of the ASPCA. He was an odd one. Well, it won't be that long before winter is upon us. Stay warm. Order a ton of coal today. Regardless of what coal you're now burning in your furnace, order a ton of blue coal. Try blue coal for a week and see if it doesn't give you more even, more dependable, longer-lasting heat. That's fair enough, isn't it? And remember, when you order blue coal, you get courteous, careful delivery and helpful consideration of all your heating problems. Phone your neighborhood blue coal dealer tomorrow. And be sure to hold on till the end of this program. You'll want to hear our special guest of the evening. There's an old deserted mansion on an old forgotten road where the better ghosts and goblins always hang out. One night they threw a party in a manner a la mode. And they cordially invited all the gang out. At a dark, bewitching hour, when the fun was loud and hearty, 
a notorious wallflower. He came to life at the party. The spooks were having their midnight fling. Mary Megan was in full swing. They shrieked themselves into a cheerful trance. When the skeleton in the closet started to dance. Now a goblin, he giggled with fiendish glee. A shout rang out from a big banshee. Amazement was in every closely glance. When the skeleton in the closet started to dance. Now all the witches were in stitches while his steps made rhythmic thumps. And they nearly dropped their broomsticks. When he tried to do the bounce, you never heard such an earthly laughter or such hilarious groan. When the skeleton in the closet rattled his bones. childhood memory and a story. We're going to stray pretty far from the sideshow, but before this segment is over, we'll be right back in the middle of it. Let's go back to the late 1950s and very early 1960s, the early years of the television era, but not the very earliest. I'm 10 years old and hooked on television, and since my mother teaches piano in the home in the afternoons, I'm blessed with unlimited access to the television for its best and highest use, a free babysitter. I'm in a major urban area. We have four television stations beaming entertainment out to us from 6 a.m. to 11 p.m. And then, a miracle, as is happening in so many areas across the country, the Channel 2 through 13 VHF band is joined by the till then unused in my area UHF band, and we get a fifth station. 
It's independent. It's starved for material. They'll try anything they can get cheaply. Wrestling, bowling, the bullfights from Mexico, and a new network that was there one month broadcasting cheesy Vegas lounge acts and then gone forever. But like hundreds of new little stations all over the country, they're looking frantically for more material, very much as cable would do in later years. And suddenly, producers of syndicated shows were selling truckloads of old film and looking for more. And among the producers who were ready with film to sell was Jack Douglas, creator and host of a show called I Search for Adventure, which mined the great pool of existing footage available from speakers who traveled the lecture circuits, narrating 16-millimeter films of their travels to exotic locales. These men and women took their cameras and trunks full of 16-millimeter Kodachrome to Hawaii or Bora Bora or Argentina and brought back hours of film they edited into visuals for an evening's two-hour lecture anywhere they could book a paying engagement. The public would still go out of its way then and pay to see exotic curiosities in bright color on a big screen narrated by a good lecturer. Is this starting to sound like something from Sideshow? And all that film made spectacular television at almost no budget. And I Search for Adventure, its handful of episodes running again and again on the new local UHF channel, is where I was particularly captivated by one of their regular guests, Romaine Wilhelmsen, known in the travel biz as the Legend Hunter. Wilhelmsen was the Indiana Jones of the travel circuit. Movie star handsome and a compelling storyteller, he went on his own to the wilds of Mexico and South America against all advice, first following the legend of Pizarro, who scoured the deserts and mountains of Peru 500 years ago looking for Inca gold. Pizarro found his gold, but he passed over empires that had long since been buried in the jungles and sands, civilizations forgotten by all but a handful of the local wise men. I was riveted by Wilhelmsen's tales about finding the remains of lost civilizations to which he was led by reluctant, fear-filled Indians. His films showed overgrown cities in the jungle, built over dark passages into the mountains, especially one scene that lingered to show a stone stairway leading down into the darkness, and my imagination raced for days dreaming about the treasures and horrors just out of sight made even more vivid by his statement that he was unable to explore the tunnels, unable to go down the staircase because of limited resources and skittish guides. What was hidden down there? What was lurking? We'll never know, but I'll always remember the mystery because how could I doubt? There it was in living color. A sideshow ten-in-one moment for certain. I was fortunate enough to meet Wilhelmsen once when he was lecturing at the largest auditorium in Richmond, Virginia, about 1970. I only had a moment backstage to shake his hand and thank him for some vivid childhood dreams from his appearances on I Search for Adventure. He was amazed that anyone remembered. I can tell you that, like the sights you'll see behind that curtain, I'll remember it to the longest day I live. Here's a story ripped straight from the headlines, or at least the headlines from a January 1934 L.A. Times. 
I'll tell it in what might be a more appropriate setting. Now, friends, that's not all. Not by a long shot. I have a special attraction unlike anything you've ever heard. An added attraction we don't advertise on the outside because the laws of your community forbid us to. But for just one dollar, what you'll see and hear when you follow me behind this curtain is something you'll be telling your neighbors about tomorrow. But you'll be telling it in whispers and telling yourself it couldn't be true. But here it is, right inside this part of the tent, and you'll see with your own eyes a sight that makes women faint and grown men shudder. Follow me. This story was only legend until a man named George Shufelt proved its truth beyond a doubt with scientific methods and modern technical equipment. You'll see the newspaper reports and Shufelt's own map and photographs of the area on the podcast page. Los Angeles, California, is one of the busiest and most famous cities in the world. But its residents and tourists little realize that they stand and walk just a few feet above a lost underground city, its tunnels and catacombs filled with treasure, once and perhaps still inhabited by the descendants of its builders, whispered about by the Indians and feared by those who discovered the lost city of the lizard men. Schufelt, an engineer, developed a radio X-ray device intended for detecting minerals and tunnels below the surface of the ground. But in his first explorations with it, he detected a pattern of tunnels and vaults forming a lost city. He was testing his device on rented property on a hill that looked over Sunset Boulevard. And at first, he didn't understand why the radio X-ray was showing what it very clearly showed. I knew I was over a pattern of tunnels, the engineer explained to the newspaper, and I had mapped out the course of the tunnels, the position of large rooms scattered along the tunnel route, as well as the position of deposits of gold, but I couldn't understand the meaning of it. Then Shufelt was taken to Little Chief Greenleaf of the Medicine Lodge of the Hopi Indians in Arizona. The chief told him of a legend which confirms exactly what he says he's found. According to the legend, the radio x-ray shows the location of one of three lost cities on the Pacific coast, dug by the lizard people to shelter them from a great catastrophe which occurred about 5,000 years ago. The lost city, dug with powerful chemicals by the lizard people, connects with the ocean, where the daily tides force air into the tunnels, providing ventilation and an escape route should the lizard men need it. Large rooms riddle the hills above the secret city, and its central room holds a map of all parts of the city and to its records, which are written on golden tablets, each one four feet long and 14 inches wide. On one of those tablets of gold, the legend says, will be found the lost history of the Mayas. On another is found the record of the origin of the human race. Schufelt says he has taken X-ray pictures of 37 such tablets. My radio X-ray pictures of the subsurface voids and of gold tablets are scientific proof of their existence. But the legend story must remain a legend until we excavate next year by sinking a thousand-foot tunnel into the heart of the city. 
did strange people live and build under the site of modern-day Los Angeles? Indeed, do they still live? These are the maps, the diagrams, and the photographs. Judge for yourself. In our online shop at goodmagic.com, a growing collection of complete Brill plans for timeless carnival attractions and acts. Here's one working performers can use today. From the 1940s, a complete pseudo-hypnotic act. The full set of secrets for performing a sideshow-style hypno-act with four detailed routines. Crowd-pleasers like the rigid arm, standing three men on the subject's chest, stopping the pulse, and breaking a stone on the chest. You can select your favorite individual effects or perform the entire set as a complete act. The manuscript is a detailed guide to presentation. There's no actual hypnosis involved, not even the careful scripting and attention control that modern stage hypnotists depend on. Digitized and carefully restored in digital PDF format for just $4. For a real piece of carnival history or a working act that still plays well today, visit our web sales page at goodmagic.com. You can go there directly or use the link on the podcast page. Have you ever asked a naturalized American how he or she feels about the business of voting? If you have... It's probably given you a whole new slant on the matter. To those men and women who were born in other countries, the right to vote is a precious privilege, and they line up before the voting booth on Election Day with the same high sense of pride and responsibility that one might feel upon being awarded some rare degree. Actually, the right to vote should give us all the same heady thrill. It is we, you and I, who determine the course of our country and the conditions of our own lives with those votes we cast on Election Day. Just one reminder... Make sure your opinions will be counted. Make sure you cast your vote by being very sure to register. Registration days differ in varying localities. Check on the time in your community and get your name on the rolls. Then take advantage of all of America's media of communication for informing yourself on the issues involved. And then when Election Day comes, go to the polls with pride and responsibility and vote. We interrupt this record to bring you a special bulletin. The reports of a flying saucer hovering over the city have been confirmed. The flying saucers are real. That was the Clatters recording. Too real. We switch you now to our on-the-spot reporter downtown. Come on, baby, let's go downtown. Take it away, John Cameron Cameron. Uh, this is John Cameron, Cameron, downtown. Uh, pardon me, madam. Would you tell our audience what would you do if the saucer were to land? Duck in the air. Thank you. Another thing, gentlemen, there. What I'm going to do is hard to tell. Uh, the gentleman with the guitar. What would you do, sir? Tangle all down over the street. Thank you. We return you now. was the Pelican's Outer Space recording Earth. I've just been handed a bulletin. The flying saucer has just landed. We switch you again downtown. Uh, here we are again. We have with us Professor Sir Cedric Fentingmold of the British Institute. And the professor is approaching the saucer to see if there's possibly any sign of life aboard. Well, I'm sure something. Are you there? I hear you now. But you can't. 
That was Laughing Lewis's record, Knocking. This is John Cameron Cameron on the spot. And now I believe we're about to hear the words of the first spaceman ever to land on Earth. And now, here are the bowl scores. Four to three, six to two, and eight to one. The impact of seeing the first spaceman has this reporter reeling. Here I go. That was the Clatters again, with their big one, Ha-Oh! This is John Cameron Cameron again downtown. The spaceman has returned to his ship and is taking off. We return you now to our studios. The flying saucer has gone. There is no threat of an invasion. However, we are not going to interrupt this record. Yes, we are. The flying saucer has landed again. Washington. The Secretary of Defense has just said... That was Skinny Dynamo's record. That's a shame. This is John Cameron Cameron Part 2. Gathered around me are several of the spacemen. Tell us, have you come to conquer the world? And now would you repeat that in English? Don't want the world to have and hold. We return you now to our studios. Here is a news item from Washington. The president has just issued a statement to the spaceman, and we quote... You can do anything for me, off of my shoes. That was Pa Gherkin's record, Shoes. We switch you again downtown. This is John Cameron Cameron downtown. Uh, Professor Cedric of the British Institute, tell us, uh, how were the saucers able to land? Where do you see... The motor cooled down, the heat went down. That was Huckleberry's recording... The motor cooled down. Uh, this is John Cameron Cameron again. I believe the spaceman has a final parting word. See you later, alligator. We return you now to our studios. The spacemen have gone again. But look to the skies. The saucers will always be there. Always be there. Goodbye, Earth people. Ballycast is produced by Wayne Kaiser for Blue Ridge Entertainment under a Creative Commons 3.0 attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. That means you can keep it, copy it, share it with a friend, just tell them where it came from, don't change it, and don't sell it. If you enjoyed it, you can subscribe at Ballycast.com. And please also see our web sales and support site, goodmagic.com. Visit us, link to us, subscribe to the podcast, and most importantly, enjoy. Thanks for riding. Please exit to your left. Move on. You've had enough excitement for one night. It's high time every decent man and wife was in bed. Good night all, and pleasant dreams. That's all there is. There isn't any more.